Welcome everyone to episode six of the Lead Volunteers Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Reining. And I am Josh Dittar. We're so excited that you guys are here. We're so, so excited that you've joined us for the Lead Volunteers Podcast. We have a great episode today. That is right, we do. Thank you for joining us on episode six of the Lead Volunteers Podcast, which is here to help you, the ministry leader, turn volunteer pains into ministry gains. Exactly. We want to get you skills, get you inspired, and get you moving. One of our first goals here is to get you skills. We want to help you avoid ministry burnout as we pass on and share practical systems for your ministry. But we also want to get you inspired. We want to help you shift your thinking uh, to see volunteer leadership truly as a means of discipleship. And also, we want to help you get moving, right, Josh? Absolutely. I, I have to say that thinking and feeling are great, but thinking and feeling coupled with action truly wins the day every single time. We want to help you as a ministry leader get moving and help you assertively apply ideas from each and every episode. That is right. But there is a problem. I think for some of you, there's a serious problem, actually. And today we're, I, don't, I hate to say it, but we're probably going to step on some toes. Yeah, I think so. Uh, you're right. It, we, we do have a problem. And I see that it's a, a problem that I've seen over the years, but it's actually growing worse and worse. Here's the deal. Technology, for all of its, all of its wonderful uses, has some major limits. Um, we have technology. Uh, we've tried to use it, of course, to fast track a ton of things in our lives. Some of these things are absolutely good. Yet, sometimes um, certain things aren't intended to be fast tracked. Hmm. Let's be honest. The fast track can actually become a short circuit and cause a breakdown. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I guess I, I can agree with that. I mean, technology is good. I, there's no pushback on that. It has right. its place. So we can get more organized, be more efficient, and communicate faster, that's for sure. And so we see the good side. Yep. To, um, but just to set the table for this discussion, let's briefly discuss how technology helps us in ministry. For sure. So personally, I feel, and I have leveraged technology to be way more organized. About three or four years ago, I went completely paperless. Now, I used to use sticky notes. Sometimes I still do jot down a thing or two, but ultimately, I find it way better to do things digitally. I add it to a digital list. Now, I don't have huge piles of paper any longer, and I run stuff across like multiple devices, right? Gotcha. So that's interesting. Is there Are there any areas where you still do use paper or have you eliminated it altogether? Okay. I would say that I'd still use an analog, analog meaning just like paper, pencil, uh, journal, and I still use my good old Bible from back in the 90s, right? <laughs> so I do have a, uh, I, I did try to keep a digital journal for a while, not my bag. I tried to use the like Bible app for my primary Bible, not my job, not my bag at all. Gotcha. Yeah, I know for me, I run pretty paperless too. I have a whiteboard desk, so I end up writing a lot of, right. of things like that. And I also just my personal journal and Bible the same way too, but I do really enjoy using Google Docs or Got things it. like that that we can share and just email right. and go back and forth with people which, through technology. Which by the way, you and I both rock the standing desk. Mm -hmm. yeah, right, big so we, fan. <laughs> big fan, me too. We both have this adjustable height desk. But yours is actually pretty cool. And I, I, it's been a while since I've been at your office. But you literally have a whiteboard like embedded mm -hmm. on your desktop. Yep, because I was a post-it note user too. So I'd have 50 <laughs> different post-it notes in different colors. And I try to keep track of all of them, peel them off, crumple them up and throw them behind me on the floor. And <laughs> realize that's not the best thing to do. And so having the whiteboard, I can just so like literally erase it all. For all of our listeners out there. 
your desktop is actually a whiteboard surface. Now, I do have a question. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of whiteboards that get that kind of like really terrible, um, like just the gross, the leftover. gross leftover. Not mine. Not mine. No, it cleans up real nice. It looks brand new each time I wash it. It's a good thing. It is a good thing. I'm looking at my black one right now, which I really <laughs> like. I'm kind of a uh, 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 my style. Right? It was this black top desk, but I kind of dig your your deal. Okay, so we're back. Here's the deal, <laughs> right? Um, but I I would say that yes, we all are kind of transitioning toward digital, right? Not a big deal. Now, a way that ministry has been leveraged by technology for me is video. Um, I've leveraged video in some huge ways over the years. I started, gosh, a thing 10 years ago that I called training without the meeting. Doesn't that sound appealing? Mm, fun, fun to me. Don't yeah. have to go extra stuff this week and worry about which night and watching the kids. and. All yeah, that yeah, stuff. exactly. I mean, leaders aren't willing to come to another meeting. So I would create two to three minute little training nuggets and I would send them out to volunteers. Here's the deal. Research shows that about 90% of people watch videos while going to the bathroom. So I called it potty training. Oh, <laughs> what, what a fun word picture that is. Right? But, but seriously, technology has allowed me to have a voice of influence in leaders' lives and not force them to come to another meeting. Uh, so I lived, I was leveraging technology for good, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So what else is there? Like, What is another way that technology has positively influenced ministry? Why don't you give us one more way or sure. a couple examples of how technology has helped Okay, us well, how about there? this very podcast, right? I mean, the Lead Volunteers podcast is a utilization of technology mm -hmm. that I'm certainly hoping is giving people skills, inspiration, and motivation. Now, let's stop for a moment and think back 10 to 13, 15 years ago when I started in ministry. Amazon was literally in its infancy. Amazon was still basically an online bookstore. Now, Jeff, do you remember when Amazon only was a bookstore? No, see, I've, I'm, too, I'm too young for that. <laughs> you, or, like, it started out as only, like, when, when we heard of Amazon, we're like, oh, yeah, the online buy a bookstore. That's what it used to be. You didn't know that? Nope, nope. Two-day okay. shipping, that's my thing. Millennial <laughs> over here. <laughs> but, but... Now it's you buy everything there, right? Um, technology's taken over the world, and buying online and learning online didn't used to be as ubiquitous as it is today. But I got to tell you, I buy most of my things online. In addition, I've taken a lot of different online courses on a lot of different topics. Beyond this, I've even created my very own online course, Lead Volunteers. Bottom line, times have changed. People. People needed to attend conferences years ago to hear keynote speakers, attend breakouts, and go to the resource center. Now, I firmly believe in attending national conferences. Without question, there's nothing that can, that can replace that. Well, what I'm trying to say is that's not the only source for resources or learning. Mm -hmm, absolutely. I think even just thinking about our church staff, I know we still attend national mm -hmm, conferences. Mm -hmm. We go a couple of times a year. And to be honest, I think maybe the shift has happened where it's not solely to go and accumulate knowledge and gather all of this right. information. It's almost half retreat for our staff and half information and getting things. So there's still information to be gotten to be, and to sure. be had and, and learned. But uh, I agree that there is definitely a, a shift towards technology and that right. the information 
age is here and it's here to stay. It is. It is here to stay. But here's the funny thing, I think, also about conferences. Yes, it's kind of a retreat because what are you doing? You and your staff are connecting in a way, right? It's kind of like like the conference, so to speak, a campfire. I mean, you're not having a campfire at a <laughs> conference, but you're ha- that idea of a campfire that you're sitting around together and you're bonding outside of the regular work context. That's a value that technology has a hard time replacing. In addition, you guys like integrating and having touch points with other ministry leaders around the country, mm-hmm. you just about can't replace that digitally. Makes sense? Yeah, absolutely. So it has its limits. I think we all get that. Um, but long live the Lead Volunteers podcast, right? Long live leadvolunteers.com. Uh, because long live Facebook groups, right? Or Zoom meetings. Those have all opened up new doors. Absolutely. So technology, I know it can allow for greater levels of organization, easier and more palatable ways to train volunteers and even creates more pathways for leaders to learn agreed but let's kind of transition into the dark side of technology exactly specifically how it can negatively affect recruiting volunteers so what is the bad side of technology when it comes to recruiting our ministry volunteers or what is what is the bad side of technology in general for ministry okay so i would say it's about tools right technology is a tool it's about tools or really the misuse of tools. Now let's imagine that I was a carpenter um, and I have a tool bag, right? And it would contain hammers, nails, saws, levels, tape measure, and all kinds of crazy stuff. All of these are tools. Now let's look at the definition of the word tool. Here it is. A tool, quote, a device or implement, especially one held in the hand, used to carry out a particular function. Now that definition says a device used to carry out a particular function. We need to remember that um, like the, the function of certain tools are only to be used for that function. So technology is a tool. The problem is the misuse of tools. Gotcha. So some tools, they're best used for certain tasks. Simple enough. Why don't you expand on that a little bit? Yeah, more? yeah. Okay. So we've all heard it said that if ev- if you view every problem as a nail, you'll view every solution as a hammer. So that's simply a misuse of a tool. I mean, um, here's what I'm trying to say. Email and texts are tools. They are tools that work great for carrying out particular functions. Um, but they're not to be used for each and every function. We live in a hyper-digital world. I get it. Text and emails and Facebook messages have become, hear me out, here's the toe-stepping part, they've become the default mode of communication for a lot of leaders. Now, those tools are, in my opinion, only intended to be performed and to perform certain functions, particular functions, and recruiting ain't one of them. Gotcha, exactly. So I'm following... Technology, it's a tool, just like a hammer or saw is a tool, but it'd be kind of stupid and completely ineffective to try to use a saw to drive in a a nail, right? (laughs) So tools are good, but each tool serves a purpose. I I like that. So are you saying that some of us are using good tools in less effective ways? Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Now, earlier you had said, uh, guilty millennial on board here. Absolutely. We've already talked about my millennialism this episode, Prime, but. Yeah, I think it's really easy for me when I'm thinking about, okay, I need to recruit a volunteer or I need to do something that requires a little more than an email that it, like you said, that's my default is initially, okay, I've got to send them an email to get a hold of them. And then because I know better, because I know that's the wrong tool and we've had plenty of conversations about <laughs> that is my default still goes, all right, what's my email header? Okay, Jeff, nope, nope, nope. Stop right there. Give them a call or plan right. out the call right. to 
give them the call. Exactly. So texts are great, right? Emails are great. I use them every single day. I use them in big ways. I use them in small ways. But they, listen, you got to know their limits. And I know that they're effective at doing certain things, but they're ineffective at doing other things. Let me be very loud and clear on this. Texting and email will not get you where you want to go when it comes to recruiting. Ministry is a people business. We say it here on the Lead Volunteers podcast all the time. And recruiting is a part of ministry, and ministry is one of those extra special people-oriented skills. you got to be people-oriented. Now listen, substituting text or email for voice-to-voice interactions is the carpentry equivalent of substituting a tape measure for a chainsaw, <laughs> both of which are good tools. Both have vastly different functions. Gotcha. So why do you think people mistakenly lean into text or emails to recruit? Why is, I'm that, gonna ask, why is that the default? I have two ideas, but I want to ask you, why do, why do you do it? Because uh, it's easier. I don't, it's right there in front of me. I don't have to plan. I can just draft an email rather than drafting a conversation that I don't know how they're going to react. And So it's kind of a, I mean, and I'm not trying to throw you under the bus, but it's a control thing, right? Because you can control exactly what you're going to say. Mm-hmm. You can kind of clean it up, but you don't have control of their response. And also, I'm sure there's an aspect to it of... The rejection, like if someone decides, okay, I'm not going to be a leader, that's a lot easier to swallow over <laughs> an email than it is, no, I don't want to volunteer for you on the phone. Right, right, right. Well, here, okay, I got that. Uh, so here are my two reasons that I've, and I've thought about this a lot, mm-hmm. and I had a lot of staff people under me at church. I would say that the main two reasons why I think people try to use those emails and texts to recruit, number one, attempts at speed. Number two, avoid discomfort, which in a sense, that's exactly what you just said. I just happen to put different words with it, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so people mistakenly grab the wrong tool to recruit for two reasons. They try to speed things up, which fails, and they try to avoid discomfort, no question. Absolutely. So like you said, I understand both of these. I think it's kind of down in the millennial gut, maybe it's just this desire to (laughs) go faster, go harder, and avoid some discomfort along the way. But can you tease these out a little more and kind of explain a little further what you mean by these? For sure. I think think that it's the easiest way to communicate with people. People think that the easiest way is text or email. I get it. It is. It's super easy to text someone. People, research shows, open text messages 90% of the time as opposed to the 20 to 30% with email. I mean, if you want to get a hold of somebody and you want to get a hold of them fast, send a text, right? Mm-hmm. So let me <laughs> ask you this question, then what's the problem there? If well, it seems faster and they're going to open it, what's, what's exactly. wrong with text? Texts are great, right, for initial connecting. Um, texts are great for maybe setting up a meeting, but it's not intended to share emotion, vision, heart, falls majorly flat. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say... Definitely use a text to set up a coffee meeting. Go to that coffee meeting and share the vision face-to-face with the volunteer, heart-to-heart. It's a great tool to have the back and forth of scheduling, and it's even great to set up a phone call. Text is great for that, but it has its limits, right? Gotcha, absolutely. But you're saying it's not a great tool to call someone into a deeper level of service or to ask someone to step into a volunteering role. You wouldn't want that to be your primary uh, means of doing that. But interestingly enough, recruiting by text, it it may be the fastest in asking someone to serve, but it's also 
pretty fast in the no thanks response. Is that right? <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. So uh, just a few episodes ago, right, I shared when one of my associates years ago wanted to quickly invite 25 leaders to serve. He sped up the process by emailing all of them once in a bulk email, and they all said no super quickly. Game over, right? Fast. Mm-hmm. Yes. Effective. Not even close. Gotcha. Yes, I think sometimes we try to use texts or emails to speed up the recruiting process, but it just, it really, it just falls short. It's great to set up a meeting, but as you shared on the previous, that previous episode you were talking about, it takes nothing short of just a tap on the shoulder, really. It's the voice-to-voice thing, at, at least in the face-to-face thing that really gets people, I don't Thinking more deeply about exactly. it. Exactly. And you said it well, and I don't mean to step on millennials' toes. I am not a millennial. Um, now, I got to say, I'm married to a non-millennial. However, she would much rather not have face-to-face interactions. And I'm not trying to throw her under the bus. People are just sometimes people. Well, that's, that's good to know. It's comforting to know that it's just not totally a millennial thing. Maybe <laughs> it's just a little bit of our culture. But it is. You shared another reason for why people might uh, just mistakenly choose to use text or email to recruit, but you said it was also to avoid discomfort. Could you talk and speak a little more to that? Exactly. So here's the thing. Some people are psycho introverts, my wife being one of them. Some people um, who are listening right now to this podcast truly dread talking to someone on the phone, let alone talking to them in person. Uh, Some people would rather just write an email or send a text. The thought of calling someone on the phone and talking to them not only is draining to you, it's actually loathsome to you. Mm -hmm. And so some people are introverts. Is is that the problem you're saying? (laughs) No, it's not. No, no, no. I mean, it's not. The problem isn't introverts, not even close. There is not one personality type that is better in ministry or worse in ministry, not even close. But being an introvert is simply, uh, it's certainly not the problem. Some people honestly may be more prone to take a path that they can find to not talk to people, but I got to challenge that. Let me be straightforward. This is a people job. You stood in the ministry line at the job fair. You stood in this line. You didn't stand in the line for people who don't have to interact with others. You found yourself in a line where voice-to-voice interactions are absolutely required. Mm -hmm. Now, we all have aspects of our jobs that we like better than others. You may not like this part. I get it. But you may not be able to avoid it. Actually, you can't avoid it. Listen, some people stood in the line to be a flight attendant, and that job clearly requires travel. Somebody who stood in a doctor line shouldn't be surprised that this job requires for them to be around sick people all the time. Someone who took a job as a night shift manager shouldn't be offended that this job requires like overnight shifts. Come on. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. Yeah. Ministry, it's a people job. No question. So if someone's listening to this podcast, they've likely stood in the ministry line. Absolutely. Ministry requires recruiting people and recruiting people requires talking to people. For sure. That's like a no brainer, right? Mm -hmm. But um, now you may think that this is like overstating the problem or overstating. It's like, seriously, like Josh, you're crazy. Is it really necessary to have this conversation? The answer in my opinion is yes, it's necessary. Um, Someone, one time I heard somebody say, man, ministry would be an awesome job if it wasn't for all of these people. Right. But I have literally um, interacted with people in ministry who would rather do anything than pick up a phone. And they felt they were intruding on someone's life. They felt like they were intruding if they were asking them to do something. And listen, some of you out there listening, this hits home. Fact, 
You cannot succeed unless you are willing to have voice-to-voice conversations. Get over yourself. Take a deep breath. Prepare yourself to get out of your comfort zone and literally call people. There it is. I said it. <laughs> so, so what would you say to the introvert who finds themselves in a ministry context? Would you say, now let me just pause real quick. Would you mm-hmm. say you're an introvert or you're an extrovert? Oh man, test and test. I'm back and forth. I'm, I'm more naturally an introvert. I think I get more filled up by okay. being able to retreat and recharge, but I also get filled up by people too. So I okay. wouldn't say I'm a, a hyper introvert. Got but it. So, so there is actually uh new research that shows that you could be an introverted extrovert, right? Uh, you're going to have to tell me more about that. Okay, so maybe an introverted extrovert is somebody who who is more of a people person, but like you said, they need to recharge by themselves. So first, I guess what we should define is just introverts versus an extrovert. Mm-hmm. Many people have misconceptions. There's, it, it's, it's a matter of how your tank is filled as a person. Do you get energy from being around large groups of people, or do you lose energy from being around large groups of people, therefore you need to recharge by yourself. Being an introvert or an extrovert is not a matter of like being a people person or not. It's a matter of how someone recharges. Do you get that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I think introverts are most definitely people people, and in some ways they're uh, even more in tune with people, wouldn't you agree? I would absolutely agree with that. Here's the thing. This is like the the source of encouragement that I want to give to the introverts out there. So if you're listening to this and you're driving and you're an introvert, feel free to raise your hand right now. <laughs> and they're like, wait, but somebody in a car could see me doing that. That would be weird. No, no, but absolutely. I think that introverts are actually, here we go, they're better listeners. They're typically more empathetic. Um, they thrive on one-on-one conversations. And so, in my opinion, introverts have a distinct advantage in ministry context. They do so well in one-on-one conversations. This is what is needed in recruiting. So, like, I have seen so many introverts not step into their own ministry superpower and hide behind text or email or Facebook, when actually that's their superpower, right? So, for those in ministry who are introverted, man! celebrate that. You're better than the extrovert in one-on-one conversations, and that's probably what's necessary for recruiting. Absolutely. Well, that's good news. They're glad to hear that there is a place in ministry for those of us who are introverts. But well, I certainly knew this. I know I'm half kidding here, but I do want to say that framing the conversation in this way, it does help introverts, I think, to have a superpower. I'm not ashamed to say that. We Definitely do. But since recruiting, it really is the one-on-one task, the having that conversation. Introverts are likely best equipped in some cases. And that's good stuff, Josh. Absolutely. So I being an extrovert, yes, I have superpowers, but somebody who's an introvert, they have like this unique and ultra special place. Every personality can be used, but I want to give like an extra measure of love and grace to those who are introverts. Mm-hmm. Um we all have tools. Our personalities can actually be tools. Um, but I want to I want to dismantle those people out there who are hiding behind text and email. It's not a good approach. Mm-hmm. And so you actually have a new resource that helps both extroverted and introverted leaders in ministry. Why don't you tell us a little about that? Absolutely. Lead Volunteers is an online master level course and downloadable implementation system for ministry leaders to number one, get organized. Number two, stop the revolving door of volunteers. And number three, prevent burnout. Listen, everything that we've discussed today um, goes deeper and deeper and deeper with lead volunteers. Everything is clearly defined with pre-written downloads ready to be implemented right now. 
This is what I would call a DFY resource, not a DIY. I mean, Jeff, you know what DIY stands for, right? Mm -hmm. Do it yourself. Do it yourself. But ain't nobody got time for that. Lead Volunteers is a done-for-you resource that allows leaders to print and implement right now. Awesome. Thank you, Josh. Well, that wraps up today's episode on the Lead Volunteers podcast. Please scroll down, add a comment, give us a five-star review, and share this resource with a friend. We need your help to let other like-minded ministry leaders get skills, get inspired, and get moving. That's right. Now, in addition to the podcast, we do have an entire resource that I just spoke about, Lead Volunteers. Lead Volunteers is that online master course. Um, that helps you, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, to get super organized, stop the revolving door of ministry, and prevent ministry burnout. Exactly. So go to leadvolunteers.com, check it out, and get three free videos today. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us on the Lead Volunteers podcast, and please join us next time.